0: Well, welcome back to the One Link Podcast. Good to be with you all again. I'm joined with my co-host, James. Hey, how are you all good? I am great. How are you all? Good. Well, we are uh, continuing our interview of us. So <laughs> James, I'll, I'll turn it back over to you and, and Marcy and I can share a little bit more with you. That sounds great.
1: At some point in time, you guys, you became the team leader, am I right, Brad? And you all began building mm-hmm. a team.
0: Or well, it was are you on the team of, to begin with or and then you just. Mm-hmm. Yes, we were both. Both are true. Um, we were on team uh, and it was kind of a last man standing thing. I, I, you know, I wish I could say because I was such a qualified leader at the time I rose to uh, leadership. <laughs> but there uh, when we we moved the initially when we'd first been married, we moved and we wanted to work with this uh, older couple that were the team leaders and and have them kind of mentor us uh you know we were in our mid-20s at this point and they went home on a furlough about three months after we arrived and never came back and then uh so then i I moved up into the role of city the leader of that city team leader um and then my supervisor they went on a furlough and they had a a medical reason they had to stay and so then i kind of moved up into his position (laughs) and became the the leader of the whole people group so i kind of decided i wasn't going to let anybody go my first rule is you can't go on furlough because <laughs> everyone seems to get stuck but nobody comes. Uh, but no that was kind of my uh meteoric rise to leadership by other people departing
1: there you go what was it like having a having a team leading a team um if you're gonna and you guys hosted one link uh, teams at that point in time am i right
0: Yes, uh, probably over the years, um, ten teams. I would guess we hosted, but yeah, there's uh, like any leadership position. There's a certain weight to it, um, you know. Especially these young couples. We had a lot of young couples coming, and um, when they're struggling, you know, when you're the leader and someone's struggling, both you feel the weight of of that, and often you're the the, the first uh, person that they're looking to as you know. You need to fix this, or you're the cause of this or something like that. So there was some weight. um, But I look back and I think through all that the Lord has really refined me as a leader um, through a lot of mistakes and um, just things he did in my heart through those those challenges and those early stumbling through leadership kind of moments.
1: Well, Thankfully, was... I had
0: a great, uh, a great spouse who was a very good shepherding kind of leader. That's not really a strength for me. So she really, uh, took the, the brunt of the shepherding. We had a lot of single women on our team later. Yeah. And, uh, I took the brunt of the stumbling and making bad decisions and things like that as a leader. So <laughs> we were a good compliment. <laughs> She's she could not shepherd... giving himself
2: quite enough credit, James, but, <laughs> right. uh, Oh. I think um, this isn't exactly related to being a team leader, but one of the things that we have experienced uh, with team, the verse in the New Testament, the verse in the New Testament that talks about he who leaves mother and father and um, brother and sister will receive a hundred times that. Mm-hmm. We truly experienced that with our team. Our teammates were our kids, aunts, and uncles, they were our dear friends they to this day, people that even if we aren't living in the same location or even the same side of the world with anymore, our relationships, we can just pick right back up with. Um, mm-hmm. And that they're really a sweet aspect of our life overseas.
1: Mm-hmm. That's excellent. What would you what would you say the work was like? Um, Were you all at this point in time? Um, I just leave that as an open-ended question, how was the work, what was the ministry like?
0: Yeah, it was still, even though there had been work there, by the time I arrived, there had been probably 15 years. I mean, the, the early uh, days in the mid-80s, that was in the first uh, kind of the modern wave, I guess you could say, of people going to this area. So there had been uh, in small numbers initially, but then by the time I got there, there were You know, not a few people working among this people group, but it still felt like it was early pioneering kind of work. Um, Still vast parts of this province that we were in that no one had ever lived in and where there's no known believers, you know, we're talking millions of people. And so those early days, there was a lot of trying to think about how can we get out into these areas where you know, there are hundreds and thousands, just these counties you know, that are out there, hundreds and thousands of our people group. Um, and so when you would meet someone and share with them, you were often the first person who'd ever done that. So that, that was a big part of it. Or uh, Bible access was a really huge thing. Like just nobody knew that the Bible even existed in their language, let alone how to get a hold of it. What was what,
1: so. what was their receptivity or their interest level? Um, I think sometimes as Americans we kind of have this idea that, that they're all going to be, um, I don't know, hateful. They don't want to hear about it. They're going to have animosity. They're going to have a, have a lot of animosity to hearing hearing. What, what was that like? What was the reception?
0: Yeah. I mean, this is a very conservative Muslim people group. So they would probably in our stereotypes be the least receptive out there just about, but um, they, it was much easier to get into a spiritual conversation there than it ever has been in America that I've seen. I mean, you just had to start talking and I would say most of the gospel conversations I ever was in the other side initiated it. And so they would just start asking me questions now in terms of, you know, Believing in, in Christ and, and accepting these things, that was uh, a difficult decision for them. But, you know, talking about hearing what you had to say, even looking at the Bible or watching, a, you know, video, even evangelistic video, they were pretty receptive to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Tell me about this Bible access uh, project stuff you guys worked on.
0: Yeah, there, there was, uh, it's kind of a long story, but um, I'll give you the, the two cent tour here. Um, the, uh, there was another people group in the same country and they spoke a different language and they uh, had put out a, bi- a website where you we could read the Bible and they noticed that in this one region, they were getting a lot of hits and there was none of their people group in that region. That was all our people group. Hmm. And so they, they came to us and said, hey, apparently the, the, your people group is willing enough to read the Bible that they're trying to read it in another language. So maybe you should put it in their language and see what happens. And so that kind of sparked a whole a whole project that involved uh, online Bible access and uh, just amazing, amazing stories. I mean, at this point, I think 10% of the people group have accessed the Bible online. And some of that, that's wow. conservatively wow. That I've heard from them. Um,
1: and that's out, of and a, that's out of a people group. I'm assuming you're like less than 1%, less than half a percent.
0: Believers? Yeah. Oh yes, like you know, less than yeah, less than a percent, less half a percent wow. would be um a conservative estimate I would say.
1: Yeah, and 10% have access to the Bible. That's mm-hmm. that's amazing. Um and did you guys do that all from your location? Did you leave locations? Did you get invited to leave
0: We, um, we did live in multiple cities and then we, when I got involved in that project, uh, we decided to move to another country, uh, for some security reasons. So we were never asked to leave, but, uh, kind of preemptively did. And shortly thereafter, the doors kind of closed for living there anyways.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't have, you wouldn't have stayed around if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, so then what, uh, how did, how did you transition um, back to here and become the big cheese at One Link? Uh,
0: well, well, it was another one of these these furlough horror stories, James. You know, <laughs> we went on furlough and you never know. And so um, on that furlough, I just started talking with uh, some of the leadership of the organization and um, was invited to come interview and was offered the job. And um, We really agonized over it. It was it was probably the hardest decision I've made to date. I think the first time I told Marcy about it, I thought she was like laser beams were gonna shoot out of her eyes and you know, (laughs) destroy me. She it was she really loved as as did I loved what we were doing overseas. it was a hard, hard decision. Um, but I think there was just one day, it'd been probably over a month, we've been praying and considering. One day we just looked at each other and like, seems like the Lord is leading us to do this. And Uh, we both felt that so that was kind of so we went back and kind of closed up shop overseas and then returned to take this position that was four years ago now
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i think a lot of people think about how do you know when it's time to go Um, but then the other question is how do you know when it's time to leave Um, or to transition to the to the next two How, how would you respond to somebody asking both of those questions
0: maybe I'll let Marcy share. I've been, I've shared quite a bit here. So what do you think, Marce?
2: Well, I have, I have a couple of thoughts about both. Um, In fact, I was talking with somebody recently who was telling me how excited and compelled she felt to go overseas. And then in her next breath said, but how do I know if I'm supposed to go? Um, And my, my response was the desires that you're expecting to me, they are not of of the fleshly nature. They are God given desires. So mm-hmm. go. <laughs> do what you can to go. Um I think when do you know when it's time to come home? I think that will be made clear too. I personally found that you're you're swimming upstream, you're walking uphill all of the time that you are living overseas or even every time that you come on furlough. Um, There's just lots of things about the American life that were tempting the comfort level, the nearness to family. Um, our kids didn't know what a playground was when we lived overseas. They didn't know what a swing set or a slide or a seesaw, they didn't know what any of those things were. So when we came stateside, um, my heart was really pulled. I don't know, we'd be driving through a neighborhood and I would see a for sale sign (laughs) and everything in me longed for that. Mm -hmm. But I'd already surrendered that and I was consistently thinking of heaven. (laughs) Okay, Lord, I have this desire. Heaven's going to be wonderful. But for today, you don't have seesaws for my kids. And it's okay. I recognize that. um, But I guess what I'm trying to say is we had to fight against some of the temptations of the life that we weren't called to mm-hmm. while we were called to live overseas. So I don't know. I think more of the question of how do we know when it's time to come home? God's going to make that evident. Um, part of our work is to maintain vigilance and protecting our heart while he does call us to live overseas. Does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. I think it does. I think when you're, this is my experience, but when you're young and single, you know, like in some ways it's a, just a big adventure, you know, like there is some, uh, you, you run into these wild, crazy things, but it's kind of an adventure. But then once you're married with kids, it's like, this isn't an adventure now. This is like a hard, arduous climb, you know? And so, yeah, um, the pull, the simplicity, what about when you came back? Um, how long have y'all been back now?
0: Almost four years now.
2: Three and a half.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What was that adjustment like coming back? Are you still dealing with that adjustment? Uh,
2: well, do you remember how I said when we when when we started studying language, we felt like two and three year olds? We kind of felt that way when we came back to America. Yeah. There's so many of so much of the adult life that we had missed out on here in America that we just, we felt ignorant for lack of a better word. We didn't know what some of the terminology was when we went to buy, try to buy a house or buy a car for that matter. These were just all things that we had never done before.
0: So here, you know, we're, we turned 40 just shortly after we arrived. And, you know, I, I had never owned a vehicle in this country, never, never owned a car. Certainly we never owned a house. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was humbling. <laughs> the realtor that we worked with deserves some kind of medal because she was very patient with us We were very confused. she she'd call us up and ask for things like earnest money and I'd be like, who is this earnest guy? <laughs> what does he money for? You know? How
1: do I get his money because I'd like some <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah but yeah I think we uh, I uh, speaking frankly for probably the first six seven months, I really battled with, did we make the right choice? You know, I just was, uh, I think, grieving some of our the what we left behind, the team that we really loved. I think Marcy kind of pre-grieved before we left. Uh, I'm kind of emotionally uh, less healthy, maybe you could say, and so I, I just sort of put all that off till the, till I couldn't anymore. And uh, so I think I was grieving a little bit. But I think since then, and, and I think our kids did struggle some, um, particularly our our daughter. I think probably struggled more. And the other two, um, and so that was hard. You know, and for any parent, that's agonizing to see that. And so, uh, it, I think it took some time. I think now we're really hit, doing well, hitting our stride, maybe. And um, but it, it was it was a tough adjustment.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Now that you're now that
0: you're at One Link
1: and you've been on board for three and a half years, uh, where do you see the future? Where do you see the future of One Link? What's God doing there
0: here? Well, I think my staff and my board would like to know the answer to that, James. <laughs> um, I, you know, I think we've had uh, do open doors to go to other parts of the country and, and mobilize students. That's kind of one, one of the doors that we're walking through. Um, and, yeah, I think we're trying to, uh, whatever, perfect our craft, if you will, or improve our craft or just how we're training students and um, inspiring students and things like that. So. Uh, those are all things. The, the rest of it is kind of in the dream territory. I mean, we've had lots of dreaming and scheming in the last year, ideas like trying to mobilize non-American college students and uh, things like that. I think we're we're still exploring some of those things, but uh, uh, the Lord has been good in providing staff such as yourself, James, to help me in all this.
1: Yeah, well, I'm glad to be on board. I'd love to I'm, I'm your best staff you've added this year, as far as I know.
0: But, uh,
1: <laughs> um, well, no, it is good to be involved. Um, no, I'm like you, Marcy. I forgot my question. Um, so, if you were if you were sitting down with somebody, uh, you know, we work with college students for both of you guys. Uh, let's put you back in your role. You're back overseas. Someone's like, "Do I go?" Um, Do I stay? I'm thinking about it. What would you say to them? Or a young married couple?
0: Well, I've kind of had the philosophy with people because some of these things, you know, we've created this culture of how to make decisions as Christians. You know, some of it is uh, maybe extra biblical, not not good or bad, but just, you know, did you feel a peace about it and all these kind of things that we throw around. That, I mean, that seem, feel a little bit subjective to me, um, but, uh, you know, I think, do you think God gives peace and, and God does these kind of things? But um, the I always feel like if you're not supposed to go overseas, God's got plenty of ways to prevent you from going overseas. So just keep moving. If there's any kind of desire there, like Marcy said earlier, I think that's not a typical American desire to try to go overseas and, and serve in that way. So if that's on your heart, just keep pursuing that, walking towards that. And, you know, if if God has something different, he's got plenty of ways to close that door. So I I think nobody's going to wind up serving the Lord uh, in these places. And it'd be like, you missed it. You totally missed God's will for your life. I I don't think God's will is that tricky or unattainable.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, or that he doesn't have power to direct us into it when we're off a little bit.
0: Yeah. Seeking.
1: About you Thank You
2: opened con- open a conversation with um, a little synopsis from what you were reading from Nick Rifkin's book. Mm-hmm. Well, it brought me back to Brad and I in our early days of marriage. We're sitting in a room with him and he made a co- very compelling argument for going overseas regardless of your season of life. He looked, he looked us in the eye and he said, you know, God needs, the nation's need, single people living among them who have the hope of Christ. The nations need married couples without kids living the hope of Jesus Christ. The nations need families with small kids, families with old kids. The nations need people in their aged years living among them, sharing the hope of Christ and I don't know, that that just has really stuck with me. We have friends all over the world in all seasons of those lives um, or all walks of life. We have dear friends who are still single after many years of wishing to be married. We have Mm -hmm. friends who have put their kids in college and have gone back overseas, living their kids on this side of the world. Uh, We have friends who could be retired and living in America, but aren't. And i'm gonna I'm gonna take it back to God's grace. God gives the grace to do what He's asked us to do, regardless of what season of life we are in. and that's just a message that I'm gonna stick to.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, for sure what uh if if people were praying uh, for you guys what kind of prayer requests would you, would you put out there right now? What would you put out right now? What would you put out if they're listening in two years from now?
0: I think my answer is probably the same for both. Uh, You know, I'm always just burdened for our kids and, and always, we both, I think every day are praying for them. Um, You know, uh, their story is more like Marcy's of growing up, hearing about these things, but there's got, there has to be a moment where they make faith their own. It's not just, mom and dad have kind of taken me to all these things. And so I'm really praying for that moment that they will, maybe they've had it, I think it's hard to know. They're certainly not rebellious towards faith in any way, but um, but where they really continue is probably multi-steps of that, making it your own. And so that God is doing that in their lives. Um, I think probably, uh, you know, Lord willing, if he still has me here in two years, uh, the same thing would be for just direction and guidance for this organization both now and in the future. So anything you'd add to that, Marcy?
2: Just that we would be faithful. I homeschool our three kids and lots of sanctification happening inside (laughs) our four walls on lots of days. (laughs) Uh, Mainly probably with me, (laughs) but that I would be faithful to know God and love the people that he's placed in my care.
1: (laughs) Okay definitely. And what about one link? If people were praying for one link, what would you have them pray spring of 2022, what would you have them pray for? And then 2 years from now, what would you have them pray for? We'll get to say that again in 2 years though, so.
0: Yeah, so hopefully we'll <laughs> still be praying and, and talking on these podcasts. Um, I, I think you know the the students that are we have a, a group of uh, it'll, it's looking like it'll probably be about 150 students total that we'll train this year. And so uh, God's work in their lives, you know, I'm always, yeah, yes, I believe in these trips in and of themselves and the power of what can happen. So please pray for that. Um, But if you're, you know, if you're thinking about future prayer, uh, I think for a lot of students they go, they have these really profound experiences, many, many of them, and they come back and this, they've kind of this burden on their heart, but it's hard to know what, what now, you know, where this kind of finding a path to stay uh, so as a great commission believer, you know they they kind of struggle sometimes. So just praying for them. Um, I don't, you know, try to advocate that every one of them it's God's will for them to go live overseas for the rest of their lives. I know that's not how God works. He has diverse paths for us. But those that He's called to that, that they be faithful to that. Those that are going to be senders and supporters, they be faithful to that. So, and prayer. I, I think we always make prayer sort of the token like oh and you can also if you you know if you want to if you have time you can maybe do a little prayer that that might help a little bit but we're, we we undervalue that so much uh, i i don't think we can emphasize enough the impact that has we have a faithful god who answers in his timing to those prayers so uh pray that they would be prayers
1: mm-hmm. yeah well let me do that with us uh right now um, dear jesus we are so grateful for everything that you've done for us. And uh, with us, we're grateful for uh, Brad and Marcy and their kids. And we pray that you would help them to parent them and to shepherd their hearts into your heart. And we pray that you would be working in their lives. You'd be sanctifying them and that you give them a love and a joy of you and a knowledge of you. And we pray that, um, that for where their parents are now, that you would start their kids there and growing that they would be able to uh, continue to have that that head start of a life of faith and uh, in your will and your provision lord we ask that you would call them to the nations Uh, we pray for brad and marcy's marriage we pray that you'd strengthen it we pray for wisdom um, as uh, brad makes decisions uh, for one length and uh, we pray that you'd bless Bless the students that are going this spring. We pray that their training would be going well now and their teams and that we would be prepped and ready um, to train them and send them this summer. And God, this summer especially, we ask for, for uh, the doors to countries to stay open. We ask for COVID not to affect that. Um, we ask for visas to be granted. And we ask that your name would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. On that note, on that, you're welcome. Now I'm going to jump you back into, back into host role. <laughs> so okay. what can, if people want to be, if people want to be more involved with OneLink, Brad, what's some of the stuff they could be doing
0: or what's one? Link? Well, I think we shared some of them just now. Um, the, the greatest thing I think is prayer, really faithfully praying for students, praying for the work overseas, praying for those that these students will meet. Um, that'd be my greatest request, honestly uh you know the doing this work takes resources too so i i don't you know if i can just sort of unashamedly make a pitch for giving uh i i think we don't lack the resources out there among the body of christ i just think sometimes maybe our priorities are in other areas so i would just uh, love to see people even if it's not to us but just giving so that the gospel can go cross-culturally but certainly we'll, we'll take we'll take those <laughs> donations too <laughs> um yeah And uh, I think, you know, volunteering, uh, just staying connected to us, being a part of this community, uh, the, the students need voices, older voices that have gone before them in their lives. And so as people stay connected and maybe come to an event or something like that, then they have that opportunity to impact these students that we're working with.
1: Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, Another thing you can do if you're enjoying this podcast is you can give us a a five-star rating and a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, That would always be great. uh, Help us uh, grow the people that are listening to this and thinking about this. Um, And other than that, we look forward to seeing you guys later. Marcy, thanks so much for being being with us. Um,
2: Thanks for having me.
0: We'll see you all again next time on the podcast.
1: Bye-bye.